You've already done the music one. You can't do another music intro. Well, you, you know, keep adding music. The everything. music is inside me. The music, the music moves me. I don't is really making me lose control. You're feeling the beat of the rhythm of the night. This is that's the second time we've made a debarge joke. <laughs> so. We we are nothing if not original. <laughs> We're contemporary. The kids are down with debarge. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> this is the music of the night. Oh yeah, for sure. Because <laughs> you can't stop the motion of the ocean or the sun in the sky. Crickets? No. But you can't stop the beat. Oh, okay. It's all accompanied by the squeak of the office chair. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh, now I want it to squeak and it won't. Sure, there it goes. Oh, wait. sure. It's oh, one, there we go. It's one there of those uh, fart jokes where it's like, no, no, it wasn't me, it was the chair, and then you can't reproduce it, of course. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> It literally only does it when I start talking. I was just trying to do it. It took me like a minute to get it to make a sound. And then the moment I say something, it's like. It's times like these. I swap out my squeaky office chair for a nice padded drum throne. Uh, yeah. 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 That's, that's that big red money we've got going yeah, there. Exactly. Oof. <laughs> Mr. Working from home in cell. Wait, in a cell? In sales. Ah, they're both applicable. That works. <laughs> oh. <clears throat> Not one of us has introduced doing? ourselves, by the way. I know. All of our many and varied listeners are going to be completely at sea, wondering who the heck are these guys? <laughs> who the beep, who the beep are these are clowns? These <laughs> well, as always, we're going to get right into the show. <laughs> Fair enough, I'm done. Uh, wait, where am I? I was looking at, I just clicked on the wrong thing. <laughs> Random verb of the week? Are we jumping straight into it's a verb's deal into it's a verbs shtick of the week sure who has a d12 close by i do have dice you have a d12 i got one i'm supposed to i'm not seeing it <laughs> i've got a lavender one with gold numbers i don't care about the color you stupid d12 <laughs> one day you'll learn to appreciate all the colors of the dye rainbow as alfred said in the dark night Never. Never. Or the Batman Begins. I don't know. He said it somewhere in there. For what it's worth, I got a four. For what it's worth, I don't care. All right. Fantastic. <laughs> <laughs> well, I had a panic attack there for a minute. I found mine hiding in the bottom of the bag, so I'm not D12-less today. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I actually have too many D12s. I've been trying to find new places to put them because my little box doesn't hold as many as I want. Doesn't hold too big. D12 specifically? Well, they just fill up faster than everything else. Do you have like a separate bag for each category of dice or what? I bought a little toolbox organizer thing. Okay. And I poured them into various compartments. It's not the right number of compartments. Oh, so I see. I see. Like some of them are bigger than others, but like my D4 and my D12 compartment are the same size, have mm -hmm. the same, I own the same number of dice of each, but I can't hold all my D12, but I can hold 
like five times as many d4s. Well, sure. I wonder why. A d4 is designed for that, where you just sort of have one pointing up, the next pointing down. You create a whole sequence, and they fill it uh, the space much more nicely. All right, I'm dying to know, gentlemen, here, what is random verb number four? You both wrote four? No, I, I didn't know I was supposed to roll. I was looking for my die. Uh, I was waiting for you to roll, because I was going to compare and see which one I liked better. Two. <laughs> Two, four. I don't like either of these. So you know what? You're both going to give me one. All right. I've decided it's random verbs this week. Random verbs of the weeks? <laughs> <laughs> He's mad with power. I believe the ancient poet once said, I got the power! Was that the bard so, himself? That was the bard himself. You're talking about Stanley Tucci, right? I meant Kid Rock. Oh, okay. Well, then no. All right. So, King Monkey, your verb this week is rejoice. Boy, don't we all rejoice when a new episode of RPGX Radio comes out on Mondays. Woohoo! No, Ed- hey. no, no Edric the Bard? Uh, what? It's implied that You're- Edric the Bard is among the many listeners of rpgx oh, no, no. radio right he he would never listen to us he'd put out a competing podcast that would be even less work and he would still shove it out and be completely proud of it and he, with this nature of his roles he'd probably have a lot more listeners than we do too <laughs> i don't know he'd be really good one week and then he'd say something super inappropriate the next week <laughs> so actually it wouldn't be that much different than, than what we've got going on anyway right Fair yeah enough. no <laughs> And our other person giving a verb this week is Ben Hogan! And your verb this week is close. 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 All right. Peter the Druid was happy to close his book when reading the chapter on Edric the Bard. Oh! Oh! He stuck to theme and he dunked on Edric the Bard. Oh my goodness. I think we've got a winner. We have a winner. You didn't know what I was giving you guys points for all that. That's fair. No, you earned it. I'm all right with that. <laughs> no, so, it's fine. It's fine. <laughs> it's definitely fine. I'm it's great. fine with that. I know you are. No, it's I, great. I, I'm glad you great. guys are getting along. <laughs> I'm, ha- I'm glad you've Me made too. a new friend, Simmy. See, see, isn't this awesome? He is so supportive. It's it's awesome. It's just so good. We'll get through it, guys. It's all right. <laughs> I wish I had another can to open now. <laughs> Oh, you know you have another one somewhere. I know uh, yeah, you do. Yeah, I know, but it's a long, it's a long walk all the way upstairs. I, uh, spite requires a lot of effort, and it's just... Uh, it's not worth uh, it. No. <laughs> so I'm only, peace, I'm only peaceful, and I try to get along just because it's easier. It's just convenient, you know? Pretty much. Yeah. Pretty much. So we have been talking about Outplay 2020, Right. That's what we talked about, right? Yes, sir. I'm that's why the B sure. word's here. I'm pretty sure that's what we were talking about. There's that's nothing what I else I know how to talk about. about so. Yeah, <laughs> that's the only thing you're qualified to talk about. Or allowed so to. So that's why you're here. <laughs> <laughs> the other yeah. reds, Birch has him on a on a, like a, a remote monitoring. He's like, yeah, just go off script once, Belogan, just <laughs> once. We'll see what happens. Bomb attached to Siri. <laughs> <laughs> it's kind of like Suicide Squad, but. Did. Did you say red? No, bread. It was bread. 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 <laughs> oh no! There goes the guy who can climb anything. Oh, what a horrible movie that was. <laughs> oh, 
But that's not relevant to here. We're talking about outplay. We talked about round zero and round one. Got some insights into that whole process, how things came to be. We talked about round two. And I'm pretty sure, if I'm remembering correctly, B-Word threw Inveros under the bus and said, I didn't care. I just told him to figure it out. Mm -hmm. And I'm thinking he called it a mess or said something about his manhood or his status as a person i don't know it's, it's it's a little fuzzy but i'm pretty sure that's about right i hope you didn't cut that part out but that was that was pretty I, accurate yeah i'm pretty sure it was there i'm pretty sure we, we'll, we'll find out when it when it drops but so naturally we're talking about round three now because we had zero then we had one then we had two and i rolled a three fantastic so what is the, what are we asking about round three? So what is round three? Yeah, so just give us the quick, you know, each round has a theme or a mechanically driven mm-hmm. thing. Mm-hmm. Why don't you tell us what round three's shtick was? Yeah, so just to recap, for those of us with short memories, round one was the social round. Mm-hmm. round As we all remember here. Yep. Exactly. Yes. Round two was the combat round. Definitely. Yeah, exactly as I remember it. And round three, we get to the skills round, or the adventure mm-hmm. round, sometimes they call it. The S-kills, yep, yep. Exactly. So round three, I think, was probably the player's favorite round from, from the feedback that we got. Oh, okay. Why was that? Well, as a, as a DM, I didn't have to do jack in round three, the way we structured it, so <laughs> that was nice. I just had to keep score. That sounds good. <laughs> No, so so typically in, in previous years in Outplay, we get to the adventure round and it turns into either some kind of a, an Easter egg hunt, trying to dig up clues or doing some kind of an obstacle course that has very specific set skills uh, that uh, the players are supposed to, to roll on. Uh, in the time-honored tradition of borrowing and copying and stealing, uh, this year I, I took something that we've used successfully in the, in the past in, in other games and wrote up the skills challenge around more as a choose-your-own challenge type story. So we had the players, uh, the four in each bracket, continuing on, going back to the Waltzing Witch Inn and Tavern in the commons room, and they were participating in what we called the skills fair. And in the skills fair, the players got to create their own challenge. There was a massive hall with all kinds of events and booths set up that were magically enhanced to be as large or as safe as you'd need them to be from your chosen event. And then the players got to write up what their event was. They then made three skill checks for that event and then wrote up their results. And the way that we kept it interesting every day for the D&D side is we, we broke it out by stats for your skills. So you had your strength-based skills and saves, your dex-based strengths, uh, skills and saves, and so forth. And each day you had to pick one stat to make your skill checks in. So you could roll three of the same skill or three similar ones under the same group if you chose. And then see how your results go. So given that, uh, it left the players with uh, a couple choices to make. Um, I should note they also got different bonuses depending on which sponsor that they chose back in the social round. So, Oh yeah, you mentioned that was going to play a role going forward. Yeah, exactly. So some of the judges gave you tips on getting advantage in your roles in strength and constitution contests, for example. Uh, mostly our shadow run group stuck with the shady uh, Doug, the uh, underworld 
master uh, character, and he gave you the ability to cheat and either alter one of your scores <laughs> or one of your opponent's scores. <laughs> so you're saying that Shadowrun players, by and large, tend to be cheaters. Yes, that's exactly right. what I said. Oh, yeah, yeah. No, that's, <laughs> those were the words yeah. that I heard. I mean, Just, uh, I'm glad you put that interpretation out there because people may have been <laughs> it might have been led confused. astray. Yeah, yeah, yeah that's that was the good. that's the argument we made in the threads. Is yeah, the the Shadowrun <laughs> characters are all kind of kind of shady and underhanded, whereas the D and D characters were all heroes trying to be the good guys. <laughs> can you seems, can you imagine to... if someone in Shadowrun decided to play like an actual hero? Like someone who's altruistic and good and kind and generous, no game would work. They, they like, would all die immediately. All the storytellers would be like, I, I, "I don't know how to proceed. Like this is just not you. Are you sure you're in the right room? This is Shadowrun, right? <laughs> Got to play the right game. Yeah. <laughs> so the the other challenge is uh, players had to had to think of interesting challenges to write up and still play to their strengths. So half the score being mechanical was based off of their role results. And uh, we kind of published what the the uh, rubric was for that. So based on which bracket your roles were in, you got a certain number of points for each role. And then the other half was, was voting. So for example, it's very tempting for your dwarves and your halflings with resistance to poison just uh, do a challenge where they drink poison because they mechanically get a benefit to that. They get advantage on those roles. Uh, inherently, mm-hmm. but it gets kind of boring. It doesn't get votes from the judges <laughs> to do that. <laughs> yeah, that's almost that's almost like a bit of a challenge, though, when you take characters who are exceptionally good at a thing to the point where it becomes less entertaining, but it's more mechanically advantageous. How do you balance that for for judging? Yeah, exactly. Or you have to write up a scenario where, okay, at the at the core, it is drinking poison, but there's something mm-hmm. very entertaining and different around it, as opposed to, you know, just copy paste what the last person did. Yeah, yeah. Hmm. I mean, I guess that that just presents a different kind of challenge for the player to try and outplay each other. So, no, it works in the theme, mm. right? It's an interesting. It's an interesting. It's an interesting turn of phrase you came up with there maybe we might want to think about renaming this competition something like that <laughs> one of the subtitles is now the main overplay <laughs> overplay yeah. overplay yeah yeah exactly exactly <laughs> so this is this is one of the rounds we were all really excited about though in the planning stage i threw this out and some of our other organizers were like that's brilliant i don't know we come up with this stuff and i'm just laughing no i stole it <laughs> it's not really original but i know it works because uh-uh. i've seen it work when you're a dm it's paying homage exactly Creative interpretation is the key to successful DMing, and that is just the nice way of saying stealing and reskinning. Now, when you say had to make up their own challenge, was that other than you're going to be using this stat, was there any limit on what the challenges could be? No, we really left that wide open to imagination. So, you know, it could have been running a, a marathon, even though you're only in a little five by 10 cubicle, uh, could have been a high dive. Um, we had examples of people doing forging. Uh, I think I might be remembering that one a little bit wrong, but, uh, or picking out forged weapons. Um, we had challenges of trying to steal teddy bears from horrible monsters. <laughs> we had challenges of playing dodgeball and losing terribly and <laughs> things like that. <laughs> so there's a lot of ways to keep these interesting, even if your roles are terrible. Uh, you can make it entertaining for what happens to your character for the, the reader and thus gain points from the judges that you didn't necessarily get on the, the mechanical side. 
And I'm noticing, I went into the D&D three, round three stuff, and I'm noticing, like, you have strength misspelled, but you have a couple options here, like athletics or a strength save. Are, were those the only things you can do, or are those just examples of things you might do under those categories? So the the table was just listing the, the base stat, the skills that are associated with it, and the save. But anything that you could apply strength to, uh, say it was a tool proficiency that you could use strength mm-hmm. with, that was fair game as well. Uh, so these are just these are just examples, not do one of these. Exactly. Exactly. Okay. Cool. Very cool. What did you have a a you were obviously DMing the the five e bracket, right? That is correct. Did you have a favorite challenge that was pulled up, or did anyone like? see someone else use a challenge and be like, oh, that looks cool, and do a variation? Was anything interesting like that pop up? Yeah, we had a couple things go on. So the the uh, poison saving throws was a little bit repetitive. We had a dwarf and a halfling uh, character <laughs> both pull that one off, and it, it got a little redundant. Uh, my personal favorite was a, a dodgeball contest where it was dexterity saving throws that all went horribly wrong <laughs> for a character <laughs> with terrible dexterity. Um, the other kind of wrinkle we had... And they had something happen in Shadowrun, uh, similar to, to the effect, is we had a character that had a familiar, and so they were using their familiar to try and gain advantage uh, on a lot of these skill rolls or using creative ways, which is okay to an extent, but at a point it becomes the show about the familiar instead of the main character. Mm-hmm. So, what do you do in those situations? You kill the familiar. <laughs> yeah, I, I was going to say it, but I wanted to see what you would say first. <laughs> exactly. If something is bothering you, murder it. You, you had your fun. Now you got to do it on your own. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. That's that's the best part about being a DM for any of these games. When you're the person in charge, nothing really should ever bother you because you just kill things that bother you. Okay, but what if what if the familiar is a puppy? I mean, what was a kitten? I think John Wick showed us what we should do to that, and that's kill it. But I'm saying, as the DM, if you're saying you have no problem, but then it turns out that the person's like that. Actually, I'm thinking now as a player, if I had a familiar who's a puppy, I almost like it's like daring the DM to kill it because then that instantly is going to turn all of the players against the DM, right? Oh yeah. (laughs) Oh no, no, no. As a DM, King Monkey, you should be very happy to have the players turn on you because, like, that's. That's power. It's a sign you're doing it right. Doing it right because you focus them on a single goal. Let your hate flow. That's why it works in John Wick so well. Like it drives him to everything. These movies would not happen. Spoiler alert: if they didn't kill the puppy. And I thought you were going to say these movies wouldn't happen if there were decent grief counselors in the in the movie. <laughs> no, I mean. Like if if Gotham had one child psychologist, <laughs> it would be a very different. If, if city. Bruce's parents weren't horrible human beings, <laughs> you'd be think better. with their money they would have some kind of uh, like healthcare or mental. But healthcare. to be fair, at least in a lot of the stories that I hear, his parents were actually trying to help the city. He's the one who grew up with the wrong lesson and turned his money to helping himself take down bad guys rather than continuing his yeah. parents' work. 
I think we've gotten a bit off topic. <laughs> Just a I don't think bit. so. I think this is pretty much exactly right, because hey. that's a failed charisma check by his parents. Yeah, or something like that. <laughs> or alternately, it's a, a challenge to 2021's outplay to try and include uh, a superhero uh, role-playing system. Well, we have done that in the past. It wouldn't be, yeah. wouldn't be the first time. There you go. Yeah, I think the the real challenge as as a GM in these situations is you have something going on that uh, you know outside a game the OC is an issue that you, you could address, um, but you also want to keep the narrative flowing, and so you have to make that decision: is this something that you pull the player aside for and say, "Hey, stop doing this; it's going to penalize you," or do you handle it in game uh, in a way that it uh, feeds the story and, and moves it along? Um, you can't do that with all player problems, but in this case, it worked out pretty well. And the player who's familiar died. The Their whole next challenge ended up being trying to get control of themselves in this uh, grief-stricken rage where they lose control of their magic and destroyed a bunch of things. And it ended up being a highlight uh, of the competition in the way that they dealt with it. I mean, that that's like a, a sign of good roleplay for sure, is if you can take a uh, a failure and turn it into something more engaging. Oh, yeah. I mean, I, I bring it up every time outplay comes up in that the, there was a character once who died early on in a round, roleplayed their death and afterlife throughout the rest of the round and made it on. So, like, just because something happens doesn't mean that's the end. That's actually awesome because it gives you more to draw on than everyone else. Yep. The other thing I really liked about round three is it, it had elements to it that you could pull out and use in any of your games where rather than just say to your players, make this and this check, you tell them, here's the challenge. You pick a skill, tell me how it helps, and then you make a roll and we'll see what happens. So you let the players dictate the terms and it lets them do some of their own creative uh, world building and thinking about how to solve a specific problem instead of just having a spoon fed to them where they just roll the dice and see if it works or not. Oh, yeah, I I. I love using that as a tool to to help my players become more engaged with things. Like I'll tell them, Hey, I think by the rules, it doesn't work this way, but I really like that interpretation. Let's run with that. Let's do it this way. And, and let's, let's see how it works because that's really what these games are for. They're not intended to be the rule of law on everything you can and cannot do and the way you must do it. They're intended to be, as is overdone based on the Pirates movies, more guidelines. You're just supposed to kind of guide you to an experience, give you some strictures. Now, now hold on. Are you trying to tell me that the DM or GM can make up their own rules? They aren't bound to what's written in the book explicitly? Oh, I think, I think I've been very clear. The DM or GM can do whatever they want at any time. The players have to say, Mother, may I? Otherwise, the DM, GM, they're not God. They are above God. At that point, because gods can be killed. The DMGM cannot. Um, within the game. Within yeah, the game. Yeah, okay. But, but still during the game session. I mean. Oh, yeah, no, no. Outside the game, anything can happen. Who knows? You killed you killed too many puppy familiars. I'm just saying you're taking your chances. <laughs> I'm sorry. If you replace your puppy familiar with another puppy familiar, you're asking for it. I showed you what I'm going to do once. Don't tempt me. Simmy, you're It'll a monster. Be even. <laughs> you're a monster, Simmy. I am, and I've never hidden it. <laughs> now, one thing, and I don't know how your discussions behind the scenes go. Maybe you can enlighten us on some of that. But the mechanic side of it has always been 
a hard thing for me to fully get behind. I understand having hard lines there. It gives you an easier way to assign points. However, it's almost when you, when you have points assigned there, it almost can feel like you're rewarding the randomness, especially in something like this, where they have to use a different one, different stat each time. So you may have a couple good stats and then more ba four bad stats, or you may have all very middling stats. So your, your range is vastly different depending on how you developed your stats. What, what were some thoughts or talks behind how any of that gets put together for outplay? Well, the, the die roll has to be an important part of it. There, there's a bit of luck in role-playing games as to whether or not you, you succeed or, or fail. Uh, if it was only based on how creative you were, excuse me, or how well you, you put um, you know, together your, your string of actions or flower you, you made your language, then the dice rolls wouldn't matter at all. You know, it just lets you let you pick what you want, pick the best writer. And so it would just be a, a writing competition at that point. Mm -hmm. So that's that was my argument. If people brought that up to say, you know, this is the way that, that we want to, to pull this in in this case. because So, so go ahead. I was just going to say, so you you actually are codifying, at least on your end of it, you're codifying that luck is part of the competition, not just your skill. Yes, absolutely. OK, that that's something I don't think I've ever seen publicly i don't know i don't know if other people just assume that was intended i i guess i never understood that as part of it so that it, maybe it has been out there and i just missed it but that that's actually very good to know that yes your ability to do the character to put things together is important but just like in a role-playing game luck is going to play a role hit <laughs> role yeah, it will. You know, there's there's a couple reasons I feel it should be that way, and and one of them is because at the end of the day, when we crown a winner, some people like to say it's the best player, and I step back and say no, not necessarily. It's a really good player that also got lucky at this point in time. So it's like it's it's playoff rules is what it is. Pretty much, pretty much. Like yeah, you may have gotten to a certain point because you have certain abilities and that floated you, but in the end. Luck is the final deciding factor of some of this stuff. It certainly carries its, its weight, 50% in this case. Uh, now, right. if you look at when we get to it, the end results for the round, you'll see the person that had the most mechanical points didn't end up getting through, uh, nor did the lowest. It was kind of the, the middle of the road, too, because the mm -hmm. judges' uh, votes ended up having a larger impact. Hmm. Yeah, I am seeing that. Interesting. It's very interesting, actually. That's true on the D&D side. The Shadowrun side was a little bit different story. The uh, highest and the lowest mechanical points made it through for, for their group. So the exact <laughs> opposite, as we'd expect. Yeah. For Shadowrun. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's, that's interesting how that worked out. King Monkey, you going to add anything? You're just going to sit there silently until we force you to participate. I'm mostly just dealing with my kids stomping around upstairs right now. <laughs> I had to mute for a little bit, go and tell them to stop doing it. And they looked at me like, what? Us? Why? We angels? Yeah. No, surely you've mistaken us for someone else. So if we're going to continue talking about the mechanic side, because obviously that's the easiest one to talk about rather than why did you vote for this or why did you vote for that? Um, I'm looking at the role range here, and I'm assuming that is the role plus whatever modifiers, correct? That is correct. So... What made you decide on this particular range 
as opposed to a shorter or bigger one, and as opposed to maybe a roll plus modifier equaling, like, whatever. Mm -hmm. So you're kind of saying the die roll determines how far you go, and, and your bonus is kind of, it gives you more or less success, but doesn't as much impact your final score. Yeah, it was more broken down, uh, you know, in my mind, the way that the, the DMG for D&D 5th edition breaks out challenge ratings, where 5 is a simple task, you should be able to do it, no problem. Uh, 20 is mm. a very difficult task, 25 is nearly impossible. So kind of those five-point okay. buckets are what I had in mind. Um, we used a similar scale in round one for the social checks. I know we didn't talk a lot about it when we recorded it, but there was that aspect as well. But we had some feedback that... Uh, in the, in the initial scale, if you had lower than a five, you actually got minus one point, um, mm-hmm. as opposed to nothing. And then five to five. Right. To oh, nine I remember was, that because it, it just looks bad. Yeah. Like it looks bad. I can come out and try. And so, you know, mathematically, it's the same where you slide the scale. So we went ahead and slid it starting with, uh, I think, zero points for zero to five and, and one for five to ten and so forth. So we just bumped it up so you didn't get that negative connotation. You're, you know, the, the delta between points is still the same. Yeah. Yeah, your your ultimate range doesn't change. It just it doesn't feel as detrimental to you in the end. Right, right. And I think Inveros just looked at number of successes or something like that for Shadowrun, but that's not that's not important. Yeah, Shadowrun, whatever. What they I did. mean, Inveros. No yeah, one knows whatever. how the game works. Right? No, it's a no one does. No. <laughs> because the quick start guide is over forty pages. That no one understands how that game works. I'm sorry. I'm going to have to bleep King Monkey out for all that. That was just was very insensitive on his part. I'm sorry, everybody. I personally am sorry that he is treating you all like that. I'm not sorry. So back to how horrible players are. <laughs> <laughs> did you have anyone uh, during outplay this round, obviously, did you have anyone make a challenge that initially seemed like they used the wrong skill for, but they used it in a different way than you expected? We had some where, uh, if I can think about it, it was set up as a challenge that initially appeared to be one type, but then they did it another way. Mm. Um, I'm trying to remember what the details were. I'd have to look it up. But uh, it was on the on the lines of it was supposed to be a strength challenge, but they ended up doing it a sneaky way, so use dex skills instead, which is perfectly fine. It's just a way to interpret uh, how they're, they're using their skills to, to achieve the job. I don't think we had any that came across as, oh, you did it wrong and, and you should feel terrible about yourself for even trying. There was mm-hmm. none of that this round, uh, per se. I, I, he said this round. Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah this round. This round. But yeah. Round yeah, but... four, you should have <laughs> You know who better. you are. <laughs> you really messed up and you should feel bad about it. This is round four, man. Yeah. And yeah. that's why you lost. <laughs> no, I point out this round because... <laughs> Every There's year we've got problems. By the end it. of round two, you typically have that worked out. The people that get through round two typically have their have their stuff together. Gotcha. Oh, I see how it is. Cool. Calling me out because I've never made it past round two. Yeah, that was a specific. <laughs> that was a specific choice that was made there. You know, I am curious. I guess I never. I, ne- I never realized that that five e actually has different ability scores than previous editions because we have strength, strength, and we have charisma. Which yeah, I, yeah. I didn't realize there were two different two different <laughs> stats. I'm 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 very interested now. I'm I'm gonna have to check it out. Yeah, it's one of those things why we have a Sir Ethan and Ether both <laughs> in the event and Sir yeah. Stephenson with and without an F. <laughs> I I blame Grammarly, it didn't catch that one. 
Actually, I was going to segue into, like, this is why it's important to use Grammarly, and now you're saying you have it <laughs> and just ignored it. So this is why it's important you. not only to have it, but to use it and pay attention. Those squiggly lines mean something, people. Or maybe if Birch paid you better for your for your job, you'd have more time and more Yeah, if he was paying you that Tesla to... money like he does us. <sighs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> then you'd be able to afford a decent tool or even a, a copy editor or something, right? Possibly, possibly. Tool, yeah, an editor is not something I have at my disposal, obviously. <laughs> <laughs> Anything else about round three that particularly stands out for you, Bill Logan? You know, we, we covered the highlights. I just really enjoyed in round three how creative the players were and coming up with their challenges. Um, it is incredibly... Uh, draining for a player to go through that you know writing up one post where you've got to have three roles uh, an entertaining section and then interpret those results uh, you know under an hour there's a lot of prep that goes in before you even write that up and then have to do that you know five five times each day in a row trying to keep it interesting I think even more than some of the other rounds like the combat round uh, there is a lot of uh, very mechanical heaviness to it um, you know I think I think there's probably a more draining way to do the skills challenge around and I'm, I'm pretty sure our players started to feel that burn by the end of it uh, but i think it ended up being really really rewarding and you know for me that round was the the highlight of the competition uh, the players seemed to really enjoy the format and we had feedback asking to have uh, that type of a format in the future yeah and you heard it here first folks but logan actually checked out after round three because you sucked in round four so just keep that in mind you heard it here first so what, looking forward, what is, uh, what is round four? I'm just curious like to get a, an idea of what to expect next week. What is round four? What you are we going to see in the, round four? Yeah, you ended the mechanical <laughs> challenge. And what, uh, what is the next stage that you guys are going to be looking at after that? Yeah, so round four usually ends up being, uh, with our traditional stores, some kind of a nexus round where we throw everybody together to sort out some kind of world-ending event and have the final twist in play. That do you guys have like a do you guys have like um steps that you go through to transition between the uh the rounds like from round 3 to round 4 is it like a ma matter of stories uh or i guess i'm trying to ask how much of it is reacting to what the players have given you and how much of it is sort of pre-scripted and then what are the steps that you use to go from round 3 to round 4 so the story-wise, the break was the end of round three. The players had to turn in their scorecards, and then they were all asked to go back to the office of the Crossing Companions Adventuring Guild, where their uh, results would be delivered, and they'd find out who was who was getting in and who wasn't. So that was the crossing point to move to round four from three. And before we move on to our last segment for this episode... But Logan, why don't you read the Shadowrun people who moved on from round three to round four? King Monkey, you're going to do the other one, so. Yeah, so, so Shadowrun, let me pull this up here. I have it pulled up. I've been reading it. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, let's see. Round three, we had two people moving on. Uh, in Shadowrun, we had Blackfire playing Tamara and Ungainly Fool playing Bonus. Our two finalists in Shadowrun. And in 5e, King Monkey? The contestants moving on to round four in Dungeons & Dragons 5th edition. We had two players who qualified. There is R. Haber as Guinefer, 
And Pyanoman90 playing Sugaro. Why don't you tell us about your outplay character and how you came to that particular character, why you chose them, that kind of stuff. Okay. Uh, would you like me to do that now? I don't know what the, the format is. <laughs> yeah, you're you're going to... We've just been gonna doing this for a while. We don't know what the format is, so <laughs> don't worry too much about that. Yeah, we're just going to throw stuff at you. You just start talking, and if we have other questions or interjections, we'll we'll stop you. Or if you run out of stuff to say, then we'll pick it up from there. Mm-hmm. So yeah, just start talking about your, your character and all that good jazz. Okay, cool. Uh, so Steps was my character. Uh, he is an elf, uh, sort of parkour expert kind of guy, and a sniper. Um, I was in the Shadowrun bracket this year. And um, really, I came to that conclusion because I'd never done any Shadowrun at all before. And I needed something that was fairly straightforward based on the rules that I read. Um, so I figured no magic, no like fancy hacking or anything like that. Just, you know, brass tacks, a guy who jumps on stuff and shoots things. And it, it worked out fairly well in the end. Um, I liked the uh, the sort of british punk motif that i came up with and then i threw in a bunch of japanese stuff just to make it more uh, cyberpunk uh, yeah cyberpunk well-rounded character <laughs> and for, we had to make these connections which didn't come into play at all and i was a little disappointed by that but um the uh the all of those points for the like relationships or whatever i put into basically his sister who i decided was like a j-pop idol <laughs> And then the background was him like recovering some data that was stolen from her and was going to be used to blackmail her. The The basic backstory was I did mostly an RP thing because I like writing my character backstories as sort of in the character's mind space. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I had him like, you know, sitting down at a diner and she walks in and they like it switches back and forth between like their conversation and then a like flashback of the the moment when he got the data. And it was like he had been hired by the Yakuza to steal it. And then he did steal it, but then he double-crossed the Yakuza so that he could give it back to his sister. And there was, like, a firefight that broke out, and, like, one of the Vega Corps came in. It was, it was pretty cool. Oh, okay, yeah. It was a thousand words, my bad. Um, and you were the first one to actually apply in the Shadowrun bracket. Well, so the uh, the guy who was running at Imbros, um, he was one of my students on the writer's block. Was he? <laughs> yeah, so I was... Uh, <laughs> I, I had <laughs> met him through that, and then eventually he messaged me um, for a completely different reason. And he's like, by the way, I'm doing the Shadowrun thing. You should totally get in on that. I'm like, I've never played Shadowrun before, but I'll give it a shot just for you, buddy. And then uh, <laughs> I ended up making it not quite to the finals, but I made it to the semi, so that's pretty good. Yeah, it's not Simi, bad at all. Simi, what? you didn't make it to the finals. Why are we talking this guy? <laughs> well... <laughs> We have to talk to losers as well as winners. Come on. All right. All right. I guess that's fair. <laughs> In my defense, I won like three times. I only lost once. Well, <laughs> those don't matter. We're only talking about this yeah. one. Yeah. And I Come did win the do... whole thing in 2018. So I Come back when we adult. do outplay as an overall thing, not just 2020. Yeah. <laughs> outplay 2020. We... Yeah, yeah, but when, you're the, uh, when you're mentioning having a pop idol, you made me realize that Shadowrun is probably the one system where you you could have a, a a Vocaloid as an actual character. Oh yeah, there's an AI like race that you can use. Yeah. It wasn't available for the competition because you need like a certain level of 
resources put into your race and that wasn't available at the time but okay. yeah that's an option that's cool so i'm looking at your, your picture of your character did you find this or did you kind of cobble it together both or did you... um so okay i i had a vision in mind of like this sort of uh, mohawk punk like bad boy type thing and i found that image but it was a human so i found another picture of an elf and i like spliced the ears onto the picture Okay, that's what I was wondering. So I'm like, that ear is definitely a different color. Yeah. <laughs> I didn't know if like that was just the feature of this picture you'd found or drew, or if you'd you had spliced it. But I mean, other than that, yeah, it fits real well. And a little color, uh, what do you call it? Blending would make it work perfectly. That's exactly what I think of as a, when I think of a jerk elf. Yeah, it was. Uh, <laughs> I thought it was pretty or, fitting, all things considered. It is also unfortunate that you, you you know, played an elf because just today King Monkey was bashing elves in general and <laughs> in our adventure assemble. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Well, you talked about. Yeah. It was yeah, earlier today. I don't, I don't remember that. I don't remember that. <laughs> I don't think we're going to trust your memory here. But even <laughs> in our adventure assemble, That's fair. the elves are have gr- grown up to be our bad guy at just randomly. So, you know. I mean, yeah, a bad guy makes sense. <laughs> well, I mean, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's okay. Some bad boys bring in the chicks, you know? <laughs> <laughs> and to be fair, he was like a lovable bad boy. He like... Oh, they all say that. More like a rebel <laughs> with no rules kind of a thing. But he like, he cared uh, about the, his family and like all that kind of stuff. So he was... Mm-hmm. Uh, you yeah. Know, he, he, bad he guy. Into the Just world. misunderstood. Yeah. <laughs> He also well, made a surprising amount of friends in that, which I was I was surprised by. Surprising amount of what? Friends, like oh, friends. Okay. Throughout the competition, he just he managed to connect with several characters really, really well, and so they carried that through the entire competition as sort of a little role playing aid. Oh, that's cool. Nice. That, that's real cool. I that's that was one thing I saw in this year's outplay that I hadn't seen as much of, where you guys had a whole RP thread that people were playing in between rounds. Yeah, that was fun. I feel like it fell off a little bit um, after the first initial push because um, I guess mm. people stopped being as interested once they were kicked out. Um, but right, I, I thought I it was a that. nice little addition. Mm-hmm. It might be an interesting thing to consider, and, and maybe we'll talk about this with some of the judges, but it might be a neat thing to just have an RP thing for just people who are kicked out if they're interested in keeping it going. Force them to play. Yeah, you lost. Keep going. Yeah, we want to rub it in your faces. Idea. And then maybe they could pull a wild card for that final round and be like, "Hey, oh, yeah. this person one of them been... back." Yeah, do it completely arbitrary, like football. <laughs> <laughs> or they have like a bonus round where you compete for a spot back in the competition, like drag race. Yeah, yeah. Or you just have them come in as a as a, a surprise bad guy and mm-hmm. turn them into one of the enemies near the end. I mean, Surprise honestly, judge. it could happen because the <laughs> outplay changes run. every single year. <laughs> <laughs> it's Shadowrun. Not yet. And yeah, um, it does change every year. I, I thought this that. year they did a decent job of kind of mixing the things that worked from the Mega Dungeon version and some of the earlier versions where mm-hmm. it was all RP. Well, the Mega Dungeon one is the one that I won, actually, um, for the Pathfinder bracket. So I really yeah. liked that one, and I was hoping to see more of that, <laughs> which I kind of got in the skills round, which was great. Uh, so more on that later, I guess. But 
Okay, so we've covered why you participated. Do you have anything, King Monkey? Or are you just going to sit there and make side comments? I'm mostly just trying not to make chewing sounds on the microphone. <laughs> fair. That's that's fair Craig, enough. <laughs> Craig, don't record this, you fool! <laughs> Craig, I'm going to need you to handle this out yeah. in post. <laughs> make it sound oh, like... Man. Make it sound like butterflies chirping in the background. <laughs> butterflies chirping. Uh, I think we just more of a cricket thing. I think we just found the new RPG Canadian butterflies X radio <laughs> bit. We're just going to talk to Craig as our audio editor, <laughs> and no one will get it except for the people who record with us. <laughs> a new team member who's introduced only in name periodically. <laughs> oh, the, well, it makes me. Yeah, yeah. It makes me think of the. Uh, oh my gosh! I got stop messing with the pen. It makes me think of the uh, Stuff You Should Know podcast. They have, I don't know if you've, either of you have ever listened to that. Nope. I have not. Uh, but there's two guys who just talk casually about whatever, and they do a little research into a thing, and then they just, they explain it to you. And their whole shtick is, you know, we're going to explain the entire world one subject at a time. Neat little thing. End up getting too many ads for my personal taste. But... What I always loved is they would always talk about their person in the booth, their audio editor, and they were never on audio. <laughs> and it was just it was just a fun thing. They'd be like, oh, maybe they don't even exist. <laughs> or we have a new person in there today. Say hi. And there'd just be dead space. And they were. <laughs> so I'm just like, oh, maybe this is what they were doing. They didn't actually have someone. <laughs> they just had their own Craig. <laughs> don't we all need a Craig in our lives? No. No. I reserve no. judgment until I know Craig a little better. None Sounded of us pretty need... imposing in the beginning. <laughs> None of us need Jesus's brother. Okay. Craig, Craig Christ? <laughs> yeah, Craig Christ. It's exactly right. <laughs> I thought, no, it's because cousin Brian. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I was thinking of a Stephen Lynch song. <laughs> no, we were actually just posting um, uh, Life of Brian gifs and videos in uh, in the Discord. Not that long ago. Is that what that was from? <laughs> yeah, yeah, with the whole... Is there something funny about the name... Biggest. Biggest? Dickus? Oh, I, don't, I guess I didn't see that one. Okay. <laughs> so I do quick... know. Just, just as a, a side note, that scene is made even more funny knowing that the extras who were put in there weren't told anything about it. They were only told that if they <laughs> laughed, they wouldn't get paid that day. <laughs> Nice. nice. That's that's pretty awesome. <laughs> Which is just <laughs> brilliant. So you see them trying so hard to keep it together. <laughs> oh man. Monty Python. Alright. So so back on topic here. It's usually my job anyway, even though I kind of distracted us this time. I like to blame King Monkey anyway and then cut him out of the edit, so it doesn't matter. It's what I'm here for. <laughs> I've also threatened to completely replace him with a with a digital voice. <laughs> I build you up and I build you up. Eventually you're going to get rid of me and you're going to have an actually competent co-host and you're going to look so bad by comparison. I'm playing the long game. The very, very long game. Joke's on you. I never look good. <laughs> Curses. Foil the game. That needs to make it into the main audio. <laughs> All right. So, what was uh, what was something about outplay that just kind of clicked with you, or made the competition less intense or easy for you? So, in general, 
Um, I was drawn to outplay because I consider myself a bit of a writer. Um, and part of the problem of that is that I'm really verbose when I'm writing. Um, and <laughs> outplay is the perfect place to do that because it's all about telling as much of a story as you possibly can. Obviously, there are right. limits um, so that it cuts it down a little bit. But, you know, one post in outplay, which is supposed to cover an entire day of the competition, is going to be a lot more than like, you know, I run and hit this thing with my sword. Like you have to put some real thought into the story. Yeah. So um, I loved that concept of it. Um, and I started in 2015. That was my first one. <clears throat> and then over subsequent years, like got a little bit further in the competition, started to understand what it was about so by the time i got to this year um you know i've been doing it for five years um and i've been following it and kind of really driving down into what makes a character successful so that experience helped me a lot um and also just the passion that i have for character building and role play cool anything about the the competition or outplay itself that you find difficult or that makes it difficult for you usually the social round is something that i really struggled with um in previous years i was kind of always kicked out in the social round which is why i <laughs> did so well in 2018 because they didn't have that <laughs> <laughs> um, i don't know what it is it's like i just i don't know how to get the judges on my side because i'm always playing to the character rather than to the room um so that's something yeah. that I've, I've sort of tweaked over the years that i've done this and uh that was Really, the, the biggest challenge that I found was making sure that you understand the rules of that particular round and then matching those as much as possible. Yes. So, Find, figuring out what the, the levers that you have to sw flip are and how to best flip them for your character. So you might have a great character, but you might not have a great character for that round. And you need to know when that is and then how to compensate for it. Definitely. Definitely. Like, I had... I had a character that apparently the judges really liked for the so for one of the social rounds and I kept trying to get everyone to work together and no one was going for it and I got dinged for that cuz like they're like I thought your character would just take off I'm like that's not actually how my character ever was presented and so yeah I I can feel you on the social round kind of feeling gut <laughs> out on that I'm like I did everything right dang it <laughs> <laughs> I was so social I Did you trying. consider bribing any of the other players? So it, it sounds to me like there's an avenue you just didn't explore. Technically, it's not a rule. It, <laughs> yeah, I mean, if it doesn't prohibit it, then that de facto means that it's allowed, right? So interestingly, not so much in the terms of bribes, but this mm -hmm. year um, there was this sort of trifecta that we ended up with. So it was my character steps, there was Bonus, who ended up winning, and then Juice, who was kicked out after the combat round. Um, we became really good friends in character, like at the end of the first round, um, because there was that part after all of the like actual game posts were done where you had a chance to just throw in a little more IP and get people on your side. Mm -hmm. And uh, so I ended up talking with them because their their motif kind of fit my character's motif. And then we created this team which went through the whole thing. So after Juice was mm -hmm. kicked out, he hung out in the sort of OOC um, and we had this whole concept of like, he was watching us that we could spy on the crossing companions and like, see if they did anything <laughs> sketchy. <laughs> and like that, that teamwork really worked to our advantage in, in the skill round, the last post, like the last challenge was a, a team challenge with me and bonus, which, uh, was very well received, but, uh, wasn't quite enough to get me through to the finals. Mm. Yeah, it, it almost sucks more getting close than <laughs> not making it at all. Like, if you lose out in the first round and you're kicked out, 
or you're you're kicked out and it wasn't even a close point spread it's like all right yeah whatever but if you're neck and neck and it's like no please i want a recount <laughs> I, the major issue for me this time around i think was there was one judge um who in particular didn't like the way my character spoke mm. because i think that they were actually some form of english um and he was supposed to be this like oh <laughs> British punk guy. And so I'm, I'm Canadian, right? Like I just pulled out whatever I could. And a couple of the different people who were in the competition were like, Oh yeah, that sounds like the region I'm from. I really like that. And the other guy's like, we don't talk like that. And so he, <laughs> he put me right at the bottom of his vote. Oh. <laughs> well, that's the thing. He didn't research the historical accuracy of English dialect in 2077. Did he? <laughs> did they? I don't know. I guess maybe, not. The, maybe the things have changed. Maybe the, Maybe CBC programming has reached such a level that suddenly they're importing it to to the UK. Maybe Murdoch Mysteries is really big there now. I don't know. I guess we'll find out someday. That's it. <laughs> you got to wait, that, what, that... 57 years? You can do that. Oh, yeah. Well, and, and I mean, we, we just released our episode that covered Shadowrun, and it, I, was ba- I was blown away and baffled. I guess both work. Baffled at, away. Baffled away. Yep, that works. <laughs> At just how detailed some of their timeline is. I, I told King Monkey on the episode, I'm like, I could tell you every president from 1980 to the current time in Shadowrun, that's a little too much detail. Yeah, they're really thorough. And that Shadowrun 5e specifically, I haven't looked too deeply into the other editions, but I've been told that 5e is one of the most complicated in terms of rules. Um, oh, really? So that, that core rule book is like 300, 400 pages, and it's super convoluted. So as I was going oh, through it like two weeks before the competition, I'm like, what did I get myself into? <laughs> You're like, I need to find the, the, the fighting rules. Where are they? Tell me! <laughs> and then you get there, and it's like 12 pages of like things that reference like paragraphs earlier, and like they jump ahead a bit, and like, oh, this yeah. section, but I'm going to talk about that later. I'm like, no, just give me one thing. How do I do this? Yeah. Now that you understand X, Y, Z, A, B, C, and blah, 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 now we'll tell you the quick and easy 12,000 step rules for making a roll in Shadowrun. And it yeah. doesn't help that you're rolling like over 100 dice every turn. <laughs> See, King Monkey and I got roasted for making that joke so many times, but then we looked at the quick start uh-huh. rules. That's true. And the quick start rules say you may use up to 12 dice in these quick start rules. I'm like, nope, that's not a small number of dice for a beginning character. <laughs> nope. Yeah, we got we got a hard time for that, but I think that's mostly because Shadowrun players are like, yeah, no, we know, we know. <laughs> Look, we live this. You don't need to remind us. Good. Yeah. <laughs> the truth hurts sometimes. So you you brought up the judges, and yes. I don't want necessarily to bash any judges. Um, you can tell but... us all the names after the recording, though. Right? <laughs> we'll yeah, compile a list. It's more like, <laughs> did you see anything that might be worth addressing for future competitions? Do you see a need for more or less structure in judging? Are there, it's just, and again, it's opinion stuff and I can always like vocal, vocally hide you and be like, Hey, this is someone in the competition. Yeah. It's just, tell the, you. it's this conversation up to this point, but then suddenly he adds a voice modulator. <laughs> <on the dialogue. laughs> 
<laughs> Who could that no. possibly be? <laughs> more, more likely, I'll, I'll read it to Belogan and, be, and, and say, and here's where I'm going to insert Diacolina saying something about judging. <laughs> well, I don't know how I would actually phrase this, but let me tell you about one judge in particular. <laughs> Honestly, uh, I think that it would be helpful if it was a little less subjective, but there's only so much that you can do there because at the end of the day, like you're supposed to impress the judges and the only way you're going to do that is by impressing them individually. You can't impress a rubric. Yeah, that's true. Well, I mean, is if it's like figure skating where there's a combination of technical and artistic, right? Yeah. And that's how I think it's always been to some extent. Like even in the 2018 one, there wasn't rounds where people voted except for the um, the round zero where you got some bonus points for your application. Um, mm-hmm. Throughout, the way they did that was by, uh, they had, I think, three to four bonus points that they could give out every day for various things that they were really impressed by in the writing of that particular day. So I got a bunch of those points actually, despite the fact that I didn't score as high on the, uh, the actual point collecting mechanics of the competition. And that's how I ended up winning. I'm just saying that, uh, so like, I, I don't think that there's anything inherently wrong with the judging in as much as I would like to see more structure so that I could more consistently write to, impress them i don't think that's something that you can realistically impose and still maintain the integrity of the competition so i i do like that aspect of it yeah it's it's hard to put a structure in that still allows for subjectivity without also including bias there's there's Mm -hmm. just no way to have all those things in there the closest thing you get is a rubric and i think that's what they try to do but it would be nice if there was a, hey, you're going to get five points for this, five points for this, and five points for this. And just, you know, each of them are designing it. Mm-hmm. And I, and sometimes they do that. I don't know if they did a lot of that this year. I didn't see a ton of it. I know that at least one of the judges had some kind of a system where it's like, these are the metrics on which I graded each of your posts for my actual judging. Um, I think it was Inveros. He said that he had, he had like, a template that he compared each of the posts to. And if they checked a bunch of boxes then they would score more highly. Um, but I don't think all of them did that. And I don't think they necessarily need to. Yeah. I, I agree. I've, I've agreed from the beginning that there needs to be more transparency in the way things are judged, which is why I very much like when they have the feedback that they plug in and say, here's what I thought for each post mm-hmm. or each you know, your performance throughout this competition. That way I can look at it and go, okay, this person's blind, or I can look at it and go, oh, okay, you were looking for something way different than what I was putting out there. I get it. Yeah. I I actually love the feedback, but I also understand that it's so much extra work for them to do all of that. So I don't want to be too pushy about like, hey, can you tell me exactly what I did wrong? Because then I feel like, you know, I'm, I'm dehumanizing the actual person behind the screen, which is not something that I want to do. Wow, you're you're just like presuming that they're actually human to begin with. <laughs> yes, I make on, that man. assumption, unfortunately. <laughs> I I do remember that the 2018 one because I had Melvin the Forever Man in there. <laughs> I loved that little dude, and I remember being so frustrated near the end because I was leading Pathfinder bracket basically the whole way through. And then there was a huge surge in points because some people got, like, accomplished something. And I had gotten, like, one or two things in each room I went to. And so all of a sudden, I'm like, I went from consistently being right up here to way behind. (laughs) 
But I did like that it was very clear to see, okay, this is where they got these points. And I liked what you pointed out. Like, judges were like, I'm going to give this person a role play point today because this was excellent. This is why. I Some of that, I think, was excellent. And I think we could bring that in. And But unfortunately, like you said, like, these are all volunteers. It's hard to ask them to do more. And it's you can't necessarily bring other people in without muddying things up even more. Mm-hmm. I don't think there is a, a right way. But I definitely am always in favor of more transparency, which is why at the beginning I pushed for the judges to link to posts that they consider top notch or what they're looking for in outplay. Yeah. I hope people actually use that, too, because I was I mean, they fought me hard on that. I'm like, (laughs) you might want to really consider this, guys. I, I had this issue last year. Please don't hurt other people for this. All right. So it sounds like you're kind of boiling it down to clear communication. You shut up with that. This isn't the podcast. We don't do that here. Communication. No, communication sucks. Nothing. Don't ever do it. Opaque communication? Yes. All right. What does that look like? Uh, A little cloudy. Other than than your character, were there other characters that you were kind of rooting for? You're like, if I don't make it, I definitely want this person to make it. Or, like, this is a truly well-crafted character and I, I think they're doing they have a good shot so in round zero it's not necessarily that they were a great character but i really love jamo who was one of the other guys who came to the uh the same sponsor that i was with and his character was so ridiculous and over the top that <laughs> he and he and steps were fast friends from the very moment that they both sat down at the table. And so I was really hoping that he would get into the next round so that we could build on that relationship. But unfortunately he did not. <laughs> and that's when uh, I made friends with bonus and juice and bonus was probably the person who I was rooting for the entire time. The most, <laughs> she went to a different sponsor in round zero. So I didn't really know her that well at that point, but then in subsequent rounds, they worked together really, really well. And he became this sort of like older brother character to her. Um, she saw him as a father figure, but he's like, I'm not that old. Screw that. So he was like, I'm her older brother. He wanted to like protect her and take care of her. And so that's how that whole like team exercise came about. So that was, uh, I was really rooting for her. <laughs> well, it's cool. You bring up Jamo because ungainly fool actually also said that the round one breakdancing moment was their favorite of that round <laughs> he That's actually wrote it as Jamo the massive troll breakdancing slash gym kataing after the interviews were over <laughs> and I'm like that's almost enough to make me want to go read that because <laughs> I should probably also I don't know if I said this but King Monkey and I haven't read like any of Outplay I haven't year. read <laughs> I, yeah. yeah I put together an outline he's like yes there are words in front of me hmm, interesting I rely on the screen reader for a lot <laughs> unfortunately I, I i i don't like this habit about myself but i don't typically read the rest of outplay i only really focus on the stuff that i'm participating in mm-hmm. um, and part of that is i just don't have a ton of time to go out and read all that stuff because as i mentioned before in outplay people write a lot because they have to oh, in order yeah. to succeed um but also there's a sort of ego to it like if i'm not involved in that then that's not a priority for me and i don't need to give it any thought which yeah it's it's really good writing and so part of me is like dude you love to read why would you not read that because this is something that you're participating in and those are people who are working really really hard to make really good content and you're just passing it right over but i don't know this is i can't 
get past that sort of mental block. Um, especially like if I get kicked out early, then it's like, well, now I have to dedicate time to outplay when I'm no longer participating in it. And there's <laughs> other things I could be doing. Yeah, definitely. It might be fun if we could get like a bunch of people who are interested in reading it, but don't have the motivation to record themselves reading a certain person's posts and then splice that all together into an audio outplay version. That might be <laughs> something fun. Outplay album. The audio book. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> Chapter one. <laughs> Steps arrived in the bar. Yeah. <laughs> and and I think the round one because I, I actually I I oversold my I didn't read anything I skimmed through round one a bit, and it was everyone kind of advocating for themselves. I really like those round ones where everyone kind of starts by, and this is why I'm awesome. <laughs> Because it is almost an extension of the character application, mm -hmm. which I guess we could ask that. This is one of the first years, other than like the Mega Dungeon year, where there hasn't been like an elimination round at the beginning. Did like everyone, everyone it in the Mega got Dungeon? In. No, I think the Mega Dungeon, everyone got in. But I think last year, if I think twenty, I think D and D five E had an elimination round. I think Pathfinder was barely making it through. Uh, yeah, I don't think Pathfinder had enough people. I actually, I got married last year, so I didn't have time to finish my application at all. Oh, well, belated <clears throat> congratulations. Oh, thank you. And also, <laughs> I, I am sorry. <laughs> I'm quite happy with the situation, so don't be. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I put them both out there. You take whichever one you like. <laughs> <laughs> and now it's recorded, so she knows I said that. <laughs> <laughs> now, yep, now you can show that and be like, look, even some strangers, I told them I loved you. <laughs> no no he said he was married no, he not, said he's that, quite happy with not it. that i'm taking notes or anything but the word love was not mentioned uh, <laughs> well we know you're not taking notes because you can't read i can't read i love my wife there you go <laughs> but uh, sorry bringing it back to outplay again um i was actually a little worried about that at first because when they did the initial thing i think there was like a ludicrous number of applications for um, uh, Shadowrun. It was like 13 or 15 or something, like quite a few. Oh, yeah. And since no one was eliminated, they put all of those people into one thread. I was like, this is going to get so busy and <laughs> oh. so hectic yeah, it's and gonna it's going to be, be so hard to do. And I actually, when they first released the feedback thing, because I asked them to, I said, like, this is too many people for one thread. And then the next day they <laughs> opened up all the other threads. I'm like, scratch, never mind. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, that's one of those. Oh, hey, that's that. Good job. <laughs> that feedback wow, my, around real my quick. word carries so much weight. <laughs> I must you remember to use this plan. power responsibly. <laughs> <laughs> so I was I was really worried about that, but um, at the same time, it was interesting to see how many of those voices were able to actually be heard. Um, like a little bit further in the competition. So these characters weren't being judged on one blurb. They were being judged on like how much they contributed to the, the role-playing space with how well they fleshed out that character. So it was really interesting. Well, and it was interesting because normally round zero is like the community voting round, and they moved that into round one this time. I was originally slightly worried about that because I did, uh, well, actually... In the 2018, I did sort of middle of the road for voting. Like, I didn't get many bonus points at all. But um, 
I thought this character was likable enough that if we had the voting in round zero, that I would have gotten a bit of an advantage at the beginning of the competition. Um, oh, nice. So apparently that didn't happen as much. I got some votes for the uh, the round one stuff, but not for the application itself. <laughs> and then... Um, yep. What Did did you have a list of favorite moments? Or I have a couple, one yeah. Or two? Oh, yeah. Go ahead. So my favorite moment of round one, a um, little bit selfish, but... I think the first thing I made my character do before I kind of understood that you needed to roll social skills in order to get points um, was <laughs> I played to my advantage. The guy like did parkour. So I rolled sort of just an acrobatics jump check and uh -huh. I rolled high enough and I spent like edge to make sure I would roll high enough that he like jumped six meters straight up and like hit the ceiling. <laughs> <clears throat> And I thought that was super cool. And it was this moment that everyone kind of referred back to. It was like, did you see that guy hit the ceiling? And like someone else critical <laughs> failed. And the way that they played out the critical fail was like the judge instead looked at me jumping at the ceiling. <laughs> <laughs> they actually this accomplished is, it, but no one saw. Yeah, it's this like incredible feat of athletics that had nothing to do with the competition, but like got me <laughs> one point for impressing the judge. <laughs> Bravo. I, I always think, I always tell people that outplay is a great chance for those characters that you, you don't think are viable necessarily in a game, like mechanically, and, or if you want to just do something weird. Yeah. <laughs> because it doesn't really matter what you do. Actually, right, so, one yeah, of the, uh, the things, like something I want to do in the future of outplay is I want to try and make a character that's like completely non-combat focused. Mm -hmm. Because typically when I build a character, I like find a mechanic that I like and then I build the character around that. But in this case, it'd be just like you build the character and then you just try and find stuff that fits. And I think in Outplay, it's a great place to do that because if you look at Tamara, who was like second place overall for Shadowrun, she was a hairdresser. Like she had no place <laughs> being in this like seedy underground organization that's like doing crime for a living. Like she was not know. a combat he character. <laughs> Yakuza yeah. need their hair done too. Like split ends don't stop being a problem just because you take a, a life of crime. Yeah. <laughs> I'll shut up. As a fun little tangent to that, my wife actually works in the federal government on the guns and gangs team with public safety, so that's like oh. really fitting. But um, be careful what you say. <laughs> yeah. uh, so round two um, was less of a specific moment. But it was the combat round, and it was more how everyone was trying so hard to, like, use their different abilities that <laughs> we could have just sat there and beat up these bad guys that kept coming endlessly. But everyone was mm -hmm. so creative with, like, how they used cover or, like, the actions that they tried to do, and they, they kept switching it up. Mine was the only one. I, like, jump up onto a roof in the very first round of combat and was just sniping Seeing a pattern the whole time. <laughs> and then everyone else was, like doing cool stuff and i'm like man if i knew this game better and i built a character that could do that i think they're doing this way better than i did i just happened to score really well because the the way that that round was scored fit the stuff that i was doing well i think that's a that's a that's a point in outplay's favor that you didn't necessarily know the system very well and you did very well because and because you were focused on outplaying rather than out necessarily mechanicsing. Yeah. And I, I know I've run into that with Pathfinder because I know it very well that I get very deep in the mechanics. And yeah, I can write the stuff that goes with it. But if you're not into mechanics, then that can 
be a turnoff for people. And I got dinged for it in the first round last year for for being too focused on how things are working. And I, you know, it's it's a fair in one respect, and I can see why it might turn people off. But I think what you're saying actually makes me feel super smart because one of my feedback things was we need to find a free, simple RPG, and everyone just needs to learn that for outplay. Tune. <laughs> Tune. I, I said free. I don't uh, think Tune's free. I mean... Everything's free if you look hard enough on the internet, but <laughs> no, I get what you're saying. We can yeah. just co- randomly come up with what Tune actually is on our it's own. It's not complicated. <laughs> 2021 Outplay. They spent the entire quarantine creating a new RPG system to use just yeah, for that. Yeah, exactly. It just happens to look exactly like Tune. Yeah. I mean, there's the there's the one-page RPGs that are out there. There's the 200-word RPGs. Yeah. There's a lot of free stuff available and accessible. It kind of puts everyone on an even footing to start, for one thing. Yeah, that was my thought there. Like, Mm -hmm. and and hearing your your feedback, Dom, that that actually makes me think that's even more of a good idea because you had a great success and a good experience with something you didn't even necessarily know. Yeah, I had no experience with Shadowrun at all um, before the competition. I, I learned the rules within three weeks of starting. To, to be fair, Inveros uh, and Ungainly Fool helped me a lot in that. Um, like mm-hmm. Everyone in the community was very, very supportive, and so I had a lot of people to ask questions. But mm-hmm. um, it's, it's quite a beast. Um, so I only really learned a subset of the rules, uh, specifically so I knew enough to get through. Um, and I really focused on the writing over that, which helped me in the end. Were there any common mistakes that either you caught yourself doing or you saw other people doing and again don't specify who unless you want me to kind of modulate your voice when you say who it is (laughs) so something that i made in previous years was uh, something that i mentioned a lot which was like not playing the objective you like Mm. understand the mechanics of your character and you kind of Mm. vaguely understand what the rules are but like you don't play to the round you just play to what you think you should be doing in that particular moment so a lot of people lose points for that. And I think this year there's some people who came to RPG Crossing specifically to participate in the Shadowrun competition because Inferos did such a good job of advertising that elsewhere. And they really oh, yeah. had no idea what to expect when they came into it. Um, they had no context for what the competition was. So they got eliminated fairly early. And then afterwards they're like, wow, I was not ready for that. Next year I'm going to do way better. <laughs> and then the other thing, um, which is something that I kind of fell into this year is building a character that's really narrow in focus. So um, my steps didn't have any social skills at all. And in fact, he had a trait that made it so he couldn't default on the social skills either. So even though he had three charisma, um, he couldn't use any of the social skills except for con, which I had ended up putting one skill point into. Mm. And that round was very tough (laughs) because of that. Uh, If the judges (laughs) didn't like me in that round, then it would have been really hard to succeed. And then, um, just in general, like you need someone who's good at a bunch of different things because you have no idea what the different rounds are going to be. They might give you a vague overview of like, this is social, this is skills, this is combat, whatever, but you don't know what the competition is actually going to entail until you get into the competition. So you need to be ready for anything. Mm. Hmm. Yeah, those are those, those are some interesting interesting thoughts, definitely. Like it's it's one of those things where because it's a... it's it's a a role-playing competition essentially like i've seen i remember competitions where someone died early on 
and then they just kept posting anyway, like their experience from beyond the grave. And they got on to the next round. So I, I, I think having tools like any role-playing game is definitely a good thing, but I think going into it for sure, th- realizing that even if you don't have, even if you're in the wrong place with none of the tools you need to do what needs to be done, find out a meaningful way for your character con- to contribute or to like freak out. Cause sometimes that that's a good thing. Like your character freaks out and is running around yelling at everyone, knocking people over accidentally, things like that. <laughs> I, I think, yeah, you gotta, you gotta be endearing if you're not going to be successful. <laughs> well, one of the things I wrote down here was you can make up for below average roles with above average role play. Yeah, that's that that's good. Man, I'm I'm going to cut you out and I'm going to say it myself and I sound amazing. <laughs> Welcome to my world. <laughs> oh, don't you lie, King Monkey. I've never taken anything you said. That's true. I don't think I contribute anything of value to this point, so. This is the first time I'm hearing your voice. Yeah. <laughs> I'm not yeah, even he in the realize... podcast. <laughs> he doesn't realize it, but I sent him a different link to a podcast that only he listens to. Yeah, <laughs> everyone else listens to something completely different. See, I know you're—you don't have that much of a work ethic. You're not willing to make two separate versions of a podcast. You're like, I did one. Uh, revenge is so hard. <laughs> Oh, it's nine o'clock on Monday. I better get this episode done. <laughs> I'll spite him next time. <laughs> you just wait. One day I'll find my motivation and then I'll consider getting you. That's it. <laughs> if you had to do it this year again with everything that you know now, even knowing like the shape of the rounds and everything, assuming people react in about the same way, what would you do differently? Would you change anything? Other than, like, learning the rules more, maybe. Yeah, definitely that. Um, but <laughs> honestly, like, I don't think I would. I had a lot of fun playing this year, and I'm happy with who ended up winning. Um, mm-hmm. I would have liked to make it into the final round. And so Blackfire's character tomorrow, like, kind of rubbed me the wrong way throughout the whole competition. But that's mm. probably because I was a little intimidated by how well she was being played. Um, right. And obviously, she and Steps wouldn't get along normally which like contributed to that but like Mm -hmm. at the end of the day like i think the person who won deserved to win um and i think that everyone who participated did a really good job given uh the circumstances that brought them there like there's a couple people who really floundered in the first round but that's because they had no idea what they were getting into um and so i think if they come back next time kind of understanding the competition better they'll do way better yeah i was i was very happy to see the influx of new people because of outplay. I was unhappy they were all Shadowrun, but I was happy that we got a bunch of new people. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Beggars can't be choosers. <laughs> yeah, they can. Don't don't you say that, Drivel. I oh. totally can be a chooser. Well, do you have any other questions, King Monkey? What do you think would make an ideal theme song for outplay? And that's all we got time for. <laughs> <laughs> contributing and everything. <laughs> what do you want from me? <laughs> no, okay. What was your drivel? I don't know. I was just asking, do you think there 
what do you think would make a good theme song for Outplay or a theme song for your participation in Outplay? <laughs> so uh, my, that particular character, his theme song was Let's Start a Riot because it seemed pretty fitting. Um, in general, I don't know if there can be one theme song. It'd have to be something that could just change every year because the, the themes sure. that they threw were so different every time. Yeah, like the Olympics. Like, <laughs> just change your theme each year. <laughs> This is what it's like working with him. <laughs> I had a thought. The thought came out. There you go. Deal with it. And we thank you for it, but not a lot. <laughs> we thank you for it. Now go back to your corner and play with your blocks. <laughs> you should see. Man, I got the coolest blocks. <laughs> Some of them little mirrored apparently. side on them. Oh, yeah. The fidget spinners are over there, too, next to the clicky pins. <laughs> Do you have any last thoughts or anything that we didn't cover that you'd like to make to put out there, Dom? So my like my whole thing about outplay is it is a lot of work. You can't go into it thinking that it's something you're going to coast through because every day you have to spend a lot of time really thinking about how you're going to take that character to the next level. Mm. Um, but at the same time, it's some of the best roleplay I've seen on the site um, or just in general. And it's some of the most fun I've had playing any of the characters that I've created. So it's something that I would recommend anyone who is participating on RPG crossing, like outplay is probably my favorite part of the year. Um, so that's my, my plug for that. If anyone is on the fence, go for it. And yet you didn't choose. It's the most wonderful time of the year as a theme song. (laughs) You know, I'm you're right. I really missed an opportunity. I'm questioning <laughs> your commitment to this whole endeavor. This and, and he skipped it last year for a wedding of all things. <laughs> come on. Look, man. Weddings come and go. <laughs> yeah, just ask. Oh, wait, no. Yeah. <laughs> In my experience. Oh, I did actually. I did want to run this by. I should have. I should have put this in the list as well. But um, one thing that I see as a barrier for outplay is since it requires such intensity in the posting. Do you think outplay could benefit from not being a daily thing throughout a week? Could it benefit, or is that not possible because you end up spreading it out too far? Yeah, I, I think that would make it last too long. To be honest, because. Okay. People's situations change pretty drastically over the course of that, what was it, four or five weeks this time? Um, mm-hmm. With like there was time in between rounds and stuff. Like it's, it's a fair amount of time. And for people who make it all the way through the competition, you have to block out all of that time. So if you add in like an extra day in between, it might give you more time on the day to day. But it's not going to like let you go on vacation, for example. It's not going to like give you opportunities to break up. Um, the amount of time that you have to have available for the competition. So in as much as I probably got a lot less sleep than I was intending over the course of the time that I was involved in it, I don't think adding an extra day in between the posts uh, would make that better. I think it would just change how I prioritized a little bit. Probably give you too much time to agonize on your decisions too. If that, like if, if analysis paralysis or that sort of thing is at all uh, an affliction for you, then giving you an extra day to agonize about what you just did or what you're going to do next might, uh, could be even be counterproductive. 
I'm, I'm very fortunate in that I don't have that problem. I can make a split second decision if I need to. Like I'm the type of person where I'll have a couple of things that I like to order on the menu. And then when they come to me, I'll just pick one at random. Okay. Yeah. My wife has the complete opposite problem. She has really severe anxiety. So like she second guesses everything. And if she had the extra days, she would just spend it worrying about the post anyway. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that That's why he had to take 2019 off for the marriage. Cause she was <laughs> agonizing over it. I mean, it's also a 235 person wedding because she also happens to be uh, of Indian descent. So it was uh, quite an endeavor. (laughs) Back before quarantine when you could gather more than six people in a room. (laughs) Good timing. Yeah. Right under the wire. Well, I know King Monkey said he needed to pop off here around this time. And I think we about covered it. So I'm just going to thank you for your time. I'm I'm, kind of sad that it didn't work out to record with wish they had a spotty internet connection i'm pretty sure and they're gonna record and send it to us but i'll have a couple people sending in voice stuff i'm looking forward to having your voice heard on the the podcast and yeah hope hopefully when we do like the overall outplay coverage next year then we can have you back and, and you can talk about some of your experiences and stuff yeah i'd really enjoy that this was uh this was a lot of fun so thanks for having me sugar Yes, please. No, thank you. Anyway, (laughs) (laughs) it's time for Adventure Assemble. For a moment, for a moment earlier, I had an idea that maybe Belogan and I would do some kind of duet. But then I looked back at a bit more objectively and I was like, that's a that's (laughs) That's a terrible idea. It's just not going to (laughs) work. Then I thought maybe I would challenge Belogan to do like a freestyle rap. But then I thought... No, that's that's probably also not going to work. <laughs> I, I like this idea. How about you guys compete for my love right now? You can have it. I was going <laughs> to give up first, man. That's <laughs> <laughs> uh. <laughs> right. You gave up last. So you win. <laughs> no, because you know what? I, I was listening to the podcast and I was thinking about how I never have a plan for in advance for what to sing. And of course, Belogan, we challenged you without any kind of prior warning or notice that you would be singing. And I think I just, this moment, this moment came up on me now and it was just like this paralysis hit. And I was like, I genuinely have no idea, no idea. No inspiration has come to me. I think that means that King monkey is the one who needs to transition us then. Right. <laughs> I feel like per, per, yeah, I, feel, I don't know. I guess um, <laughs> I feel like that. That is like what it means to be the chosen one. You you have no preparation. You feel underprepared, and the other people could do a better job. So yeah, you're the one who actually obviously has to. So what you got, King Monkey? The time has come at last. I must rise to the challenge. I do not know if I will make it past. It's hard to rhyme with challenge. <laughs> and so, oh, all the sounds that I must assemble in the song are rather like an adventure, but one that has gone wrong. I'm afraid that's as good as you're going to get out of me. Okay. Uh, I didn't want to start clapping prematurely again. You got me one, so no, I wasn't I mean, about to do that again. That's that's fair. I didn't really deserve much applause in the end either, so...
I, I, was, I was impressed. I thought that wasn't bad. It was like a it was like a soliloquy in a musical. It just kind of like got some piano stings behind it. Yeah. yeah. If I was a piano player, I could totally play something great. behind that. Oh, that's that, not going to happen. If I, if I had any kind of musical talent whatsoever, I'm sure it would be pretty good too. But <laughs> And that was probably your most like tempo consistent one yet. Oh, I'll, I'll try and do worse next time. <laughs> next time I'll actually do like a freestyle. Oh, oh, I should beatbox it. Beatboxing. I'm not good at it, but I think I would enjoy it. <laughs> so last time... Well, up to now, what we've discovered is in between uh, you our know, poison you know what? swamp. No, I'm sorry. What? Last time on Adventure Assemble. You need to do like a TV previously on Adventure Assemble. I try not to do the same thing between my <laughs> other podcasts, and I do that on my Cinematic Sagas podcast. So I'm well, trying to you know, keep just because you're just because you're cheating on me doesn't mean that I deserve any less. Cheating on you? Cheating. You're the mistress. Okay, that's valid. I take it back. <laughs> I'll take, Those are not mutually I'll take exclusive things, though. <laughs> Besides, we've already transitioned in with uh, saying Adventure Assemble and having a song. We don't need to do more trans- too many transitions. Well, it's just that I know that people people like when we don't recap things. They've, I've heard people say that we meander too much or that we reiterate information that they've already got. So I just wanted to make sure then that we stopped took our sweet ass time getting around to a full and in-depth retrospective on everything that's gone before as basically a huge finger of appreciation to those particular fans a single finger salute to all of you who have given us your input i see you there i know what you like you're not you are number one (laughs) that is definitely the finger that we are holding up here. Yeah, the finger of appreciation. The, exactly. the appreciation finger, right? Yeah, thumb, yeah it, thumbs are fingers, right? Uh-huh. uh-huh. <laughs> they are, for sure. But we've discovered that there is an underground coven of doppelgangers that are in the land between where the satellite fell and broke the land and the poison marsh. And... When the land broke, it caused some of the marsh to drain into that area, which opened these doppelgangers' cave system to discovery. And one of the things that we saw that they were doing is they've been going out and replacing people, trying to figure out what's going on in the world. And one of the people they replaced was a this dude named Anas's daughter. And come to find out, she is also a doppelganger. So they took a doppelganger, replaced her with a doppelganger, discovered she's a doppelganger, and now we've realized, oh wait, there's two factions of doppelgangers. Yeah, so the subterranean doppelgangers who were starting to move, uh, or had started to move, were then replacing people, finding out that there's actually a surface uh, faction of doppelgangers, right? Right, because we, we, were, we were musing that the doppelgangers that we were initially following, the cave ones... Were, were wanting to create a space where they could actually come to the surface and be who they are and just integrate with society. But they discover these other s- section of doppelgangers who have just decided to look like the locals and live life as them. So we have our passers and we have our purists. And it's kind of like jarring for both of them to find out, oh, there's other people like us out there. And I think both groups kind of 
will resent each other initially because... Well, yeah, because you have a group that is, like, a, they're predicated on secrecy and concealment, and they meet an uh, an equally concealed and secret group who have all of their traits, who know, basically, you meet, as a secret organization, you meet people who instinctively know everything about you because you're the same. That's That's very upsetting to your plans, and also possibly on a psychological level, seeing yourself projected in an... Uh, uh, exterior faction, you know? Yeah. Well, and, and both groups are, are threatening to the other group's existence because if the underground doppelgangers succeed in revealing themselves, then people are going to be on the lookout for things like that. It's going to make the hidden ones, the, the passers, more likely to be found out because people are going to be hyper-aware and doing things, you know, as hyper-aware people tend to do, Suddenly get suspicious. Yeah, turning on everyone, not just them, but it creates an entire uh, atmosphere of instability and uh, suspicion that's not conducive to their sneak aroundery. And, and the purists are threatened by these people passing because if they do something wrong, if they give themselves up, if their child happens to show the wrong person, mm-hmm. all of a sudden, again, the existence is known, and people are going to want to know where they came from. It jeopardizes and it can lead back our to the stability. Ones. Yeah. Yeah. So, so it, it's just it's a big mess. It's a big thing, and we're not even to the twist yet. <laughs> this is just the starting twist, not the. Uh... So I need a D10 roll from someone. I don't care who. I have a D10 here. here. Oh, go I'll for beat it. You to it. I got a five. Oh, this works out really nice. Because of a magical disaster, a character is revealed to have a case of falsely implanted memories. Are these surface doppelgangers not aware that they're doppelgangers? I I think... Were they perhaps sent out by subsurface doppelgangers ages or generations ago, and something's happened that they have literally forgotten what they are? I think we, we originally played with that idea, and, and you know... I. Because we are so consistent and always remember what we talked about last time, For sure. I can say with 100% certainty <laughs> yeah. that we settled on them being definitely two separate factions, and we didn't actually play with the idea that one wasn't known to be a doppelganger. But I, I feel like there is some group that found them, the surface doppelgangers, and did this to them and for, and implanted false memories in them of them being just people. I don't know if it's the underground doppelgangers or if it's maybe the surface elves who are studying them or if it's another group that we don't know about or maybe one particular doppelganger or wizard who maybe is performing this weird experiment that created the doppelgangers. Maybe maybe it is some kind of wizard that pulled the satellite from space, broke the land, saw what happened there manipulated that situation and pulled some of the doppelgangers away. So it's not necessarily that the doppelgangers stole this daughter. Maybe they, the underground ones realized what was going on sooner and took what they thought was one of their stolen children only to realize, no, no, the whole family are doppelgangers. So it's kind of the slow reveal that we've been (laughs) manipulated from the beginning. 
Is anyone actually not a doppelganger in this town? <laughs> no, I'm a doppelganger. My God, we've all been doppelgangers this whole time, and I've been too embarrassed. To, oh, <laughs> what? Wait, I this I didn't crazy. have to look like this. Oh my God! <laughs> oh man, am I embarrassed? I feel like I feel like it's not a whole town. It's like a community between towns they they all they all were drawn to each other or maybe their memories were in such a way that they would stay connected with each other so they were easier to track by this wizard dude who maybe is with the bad elves maybe he's with the good elves and was trying to do stuff that kind of got out of control like maybe the ultimate plan was to create the best infiltrator ever cuz remember the 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 virus from the satellite sort of got into your mind and controlled you so so maybe maybe it was one of those good intentions gone wrong type things where he's like, oh, this would be great. And it came out of control, broke the land. He's like, oh, crap. Well, we got to keep that isolated and found the doppelgangers. OK, well, I can use this if I get the idea implanted in them to do these things. Then I'll give me a line into the battles. But like he's doing what he thinks is a good thing. He's just going about it in a horrible way. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> meanwhile, I like this meanwhile idea. the bad elves would absolutely love to indoctrinate doppelgangers and turn them into their agents so they could more, oh, yeah. more adeptly manipulate the nations and groups of the world around them. Oh, yeah. I mean, you, you can replace, you could take someone who's your political rival, replace him with a doppelganger under your control yeah. who slowly turns to your side. Uh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. A very effective political strategy. Anything jump out at you, Belogan? Sorry, sorry. Belogan! Oh, were you talking to me? I heard my huh? name. <laughs> huh? <laughs> <clears throat> yeah, yeah, I heard you call some, some baloney guy, but then, then you got my name. Yeah, baloney. Yeah, sorry. <laughs> you know, I almost think the, the wizard added these memories for the doppelganger's own protection, too. Maybe they had some kind of dark involvement in it um, that would be too too sinister and destructive for their society if they remembered Oh, maybe like the transition to becoming a doppelganger was going to destroy their minds. And so he put these fake memories in there, maybe in both groups, to to insulate them from the horrible transformation they had to undergo. And do you think then the transformation would have been from the fallen satellite? Like a like a variation on the on the, the, the mind control virus? Oh, no, the... The satellite had gone through something in space and picked up organic particles of something totally alien, a oh, completely no. unknown passenger that while the techno-organic virus was trying to dominate minds of the other of certain people, this biological entity was also using it as a chance like a virus to spread into a whole new host. Oh no, that's kind of terrifying that we've got two really insidious invasive alien species <laughs> one dominating minds the other one literally mutating people into doppelgangers so so we've got x-men plots and spider-man plots in here now yeah yeah for sure along with the scroll invasion and the, the, what brood. Else, what else we... <laughs> the brood is another <laughs> mm. interesting interesting i just heard a buzz yeah, no, you hear my kids shuffling chairs around because this is oh. them complying with my request that they not make a lot of noise. <laughs> I thought it was your phone. I'm like, oh, do we have to pause for a minute? <laughs> no, you'll hear it. It's it's my my ringtone is recognizable. Is it the same one or is it a new one? 
No, it's uh, Sneak Man from Jet Set Radio. Okay. So it's not the, the original one we had, but it's... No, it's not it's, beep, it's beep, the beep, new same one. Anymore. Yeah, it's the, it's the new same one, not the old same one. Right. Cool. Glad we got that covered. So did we ever determine who's going on this quest? We haven't. That is actually what I was just about to do. I was going to ask you who you've got and give Belogan a chance if they want to either create someone or use the random generator, however you want to do that there, Baloney Man. I think it's got to be random. It's got to be random. Okay. I didn't know since you've brought a druid into all your verb stuff if you wanted to use that or if you wanted to just rip a random one out. No, we'll go go random and stick with that theme. Okay. All right. So, King Monkey, what do you got for us? Goran Hachismo, the Baker Barbarian. <laughs> okay, you need to write that in the document, please. <laughs> I will not remember that. What? You you don't remember Goran Hachismo, the Baker Barbarian? Uh, turn off caps lock. Thank you. <laughs> no, that's a name that is spelled in caps lock. <laughs> Sorry. No, because it was little G, big O. I was like, that's not right. I know that's not right. Oh, God. <laughs> And what is Goran Machismo, other Hachi- than a Baker Barbarian? Hachismo. Goran Hachismo. Come Hachismo. On. I don't know what you were hearing there. What race is he? Or she? Um, I think that she is a half-knoll. <laughs> oh, yeah. okay. What's the other half? Half-knoll. Um... Noel. <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah, she's kind of like a, she's part pit bull Noel and part poodle Noel, so she's kind of like a, a mutt Noel. But she definitely does her hair a poodle style. She is traveling the world trying to incorporate all of the uh, recipes that she can find in order to bake the perfect cookies. This is a lifelong <laughs> quest that she takes with furious seriousness. If someone puts down her cookies, she is prone to fly into a rage. You want me to go next, or you want to go next, Belogan? Uh, why don't you go? All right. I, in the way this randomness always seems to work out just so perfectly, rolled Krolmanite, the male gnomish <laughs> Sorry, wizard. <laughs> Krolmanite. Okay. K-R-O-L-M. N-I-T-E. And he is a male gnomish wizard. And because this thing generates some random attributes as well, he is a very high-level wizard. So I'm suddenly thinking maybe he attached himself under some guise to check in on what's going on. Because I'm thinking maybe this is the guy who did this. Oh. Oh, so he's like altered self to to conceal his identity and he's... Uh, wandering around trying to clean up after his own mess or figure out what are the what are the repercussions of what he's done. Yeah, because because you know the the acts of the elves and you know Edric in particular mm-hmm. have been causing a stir, and so the word is getting out. Yeah, that stuff is happening, and he's hearing that like his messes aren't as cleaned up as he may have thought, or right, right. maybe it's getting out of control and he needs to put things back in place or, you know, we don't, we don't necessarily know why, but he's going to pose as maybe a low level trickster or maybe like a peddler of some sort. I'll have to find a better cover name for him than Krolmanite. It's not a great name. (laughs) 
I am Krolmanite! I think that's his actual wizard name because it sounds suitably ridiculous. But he needs a gnome name, and gnome names are yeah, that's the gnome other names thing. are <laughs> always awful. Yeah, like they no, are. I've never heard someone pick a good gnome name. <laughs> and what do you got, Belogan? We have got Frank. <laughs> Frank, <laughs> Frank from accounting. <laughs> Not quite, not quite. I'm sorry. I was a, I was just looking in with a temp agency, and they set me up here. I'm not sure how my skills apply, but I'm looking for exposure. So Frank is a halfling druid. I think we killed Simi. <laughs> oh man! All right. So Frank is a halfling druid, and his protected lands is a little bonsai tree that he carries around with him everywhere. You, you. You rolled up randomly a druid? No, I did not roll. I just ran. Well, druids are the only thing I know how to play, so I had to stick with that. <laughs> okay. Fair enough. <laughs> I, I, I was like, man, is this another case where we're getting a good parallel? That's amazing. <laughs> Look, I spent time reading the druid entry and the druid entry only. My time is precious. <laughs> yeah. So his, he's got he's a druid halfling, and he is desperate to protect the sacred the lands of his potted bonsai tree. Exactly. As such, he will cool. travel the land and uh, extinguish threats to that tree. <laughs> By exposing the tree to those <laughs> threats and then extinguishing them. No, no. Don't point well, that he's... out. Don't point that out to him. <laughs> oh, sorry, sorry. I just no, picture no, no, him no, with I... like this he's... big pot in his backpack just like strapped to his back. <laughs> yeah, because it's a bonsai tree, so it's small for a regular sized person, but it's, it's like, like a, a, it's a pretty big tree size for, him. for him. Yeah, It's like a, like a potted fern for him. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> So, so now this begs the question: We had, we don't have Edric bringing us through. We don't have healthily, healthily the 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 wife. Right. So, why are these three here? Yeah. Well, I mean, obviously, Goron is. She's just been traveling the world finding cookie recipes, right? <laughs> so, I mean, she's quite literally here by happenstance. But she is an outsider to this area, so she's instantly suspicious to the locals, who are now dealing with doppelgangers in their midst. So anyone new, they're like, mm, no, you're on the list. <laughs> so Goran is actually interested in clearing her name so that okay. she can then learn those delicious cookie recipes. All right. And, and Frank, why, why is Frank in the same place as Goran? Well, Goron's been following Frank around because there's a particular berry that his bonsai tree can produce that is needed for a delicatessen recipe. Okay, yeah. <laughs> it's so like, they're, they're it's like, like a brownie like with these. Yeah. <laughs> Why won't it bloom? I don't know. Maybe you're giving it too much shade. Yeah. <laughs> I'd give it some space. I told you to stop making berries. fun of my tree. I just want it to, it makes like this nice brownie of sorts, but it's like got caramel and those berries in it. It's not a cookie, but I mean, hey, for sure, I want to, I want to learn how to do that. So what if uh, the dude's daughter who got taken, Anas, what if he had a special recipe, like Anas's secret recipe, whatever? He's a priest, right? Yeah, that was the, that was the hook. I don't know if we kept him as a priest or not. Holy but, cookies. Yeah, whatever. They're holy cookies. <laughs> He, I'm he has trying, this way of incorporating I'm trying not to make a joke about communion wafers, but it's in there somewhere. But he has some recipe that Goran mm -hmm. is 
I'm sorry, that Goran Hachismo yeah. is desperate to acquire. And Frank is just like, hey, hey, you said you were going to give me blah, blah, blah. Come on, man. <laughs> That's just, I, I just got this picture of a, of a little little child with a fern strapped to their back going, hey, come on, man. I, I can't keep up. <laughs> that will work. Goran will carry you, Frank. <laughs> Frank. I can't get Frank from accounting out of my head now, though. Goran has strong Frank. shoulders. Goran <laughs> likes little men. Goran carries many heavy burdens. Goran's past is tragic, but Goran <laughs> does not let it bring her down. Goran is girl who just wants to have fun. And I think... I think... Krolmanite. <laughs> it's such a <laughs> yeah, bad I know. <laughs> we'll introduce himself as Selitkik Fuzzmix. <laughs> Appropriately <laughs> stupid for a gnome name, yeah. I actually had to go, I went through three different random generators till I found one that was appropriately ridiculous enough. Yeah. <laughs> I'm sure. actually using the World of Warcraft gnome name generator. <laughs> Selitkik, what was the last name? Fuzzmix. 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 And I think he just, quote-unquote, happened to be passing through when he heard Anas's exclamations of horrible things have been done and, and inner imposters and someone please help me. And I think he is posing as a peddler of potions and, and cure-alls. Right. Snake and oil so salesman. He's, Oh, yeah, definitely. Except, like, his stuff actually does stuff, just maybe not what he tells you. No, it it's actually just made of snake oil, but it, it works. <laughs> and and he's like, oh, hey, I, I'll, I, could, I could possibly maybe help. I, I've got random stuff here and might be good for your uh, bacon stuff there, little old man. <laughs> I'm a woman. <laughs> <laughs> Goran is all woman. <laughs> And I think that's that's kind of how they get hooked up, and we're going to find out next time how it all goes. Anything else we, we want to add before we go? I think we've probably added more than is strictly necessary at this point. I mean, we always do. <laughs> Holy crap. That we've is... added quite a bit. <laughs> Any of it good? It worked. I mean, it got us this far. Functional. Functional. <laughs> Well, if that's all, then I think next time we'll find out how it all plays out. And until then, we done. We done. So long. Wait till you have teenagers. <laughs> it changes. If they make it that far. <laughs> oh, he's murdering children after after talking about how bad it is to murder puppies. Oh my goodness! Well, puppies is, is one thing. <laughs> puppies is inhumane. Humans, whatever. They're a dime a dozen. Can make well, more of them. Honestly, though, no. It's um <laughs> animals that don't talk back.